from the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Hey, welcome along to Ham Radio News from VK1 WIA. I'm Graham, VK4BB. News making at Around Australia, a Noble Park principal has won one of the top education awards in Victoria. Silverton Primary School Principal Tony Bryant won the Outstanding School Leadership Award at the Education Department's Awards Night, May 13. Peter Hall, a Minister for Teaching Profession, said Silverton Primary School staff and students were regarded as leaders in the use of technology in teaching and learning thanks to Mr Bryant. Mr Hall said one example was the school's establishment of its own television and FM radio stations. Tony had been instrumental in ensuring information and communications technology was embedded into the curriculum and has transformed his school into a global learning community. Mr Bryant not only gained the prestige of being voted Victoria's most outstanding school leader, but also won up to 10 weeks of paid leave and $50,000. Space Face NASA submissions to the Space Shuttle program's Face in Space campaign for the STS-134 mission. Participants submit photos for uplink to Endeavour via the Mission Control Centre at NASA's Johnson Space Centre in Houston. The images will return to Earth through a data transmission and contributors will be able to print certificates verifying their photos flew aboard the Endeavour. More photos already have been submitted to fly aboard the last shuttle mission targeted to launch July 8. Submissions will be accepted through to the liftoff date. VK1 and 22nd of June, the general meeting features two presentation topics back-to-back for the Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club. Yes, it's Morse Code Show and Tell Night, a night of sharing information and experiences for everybody particularly those with an interest in Morse code and associated techniques. Show? Well, bring along your paddles, keyers, oscillators, QRP transmitters, projects, historical items, etc. for a static or a live display. And tell? Tell and share your code learning experiences, anecdotes, secrets, etc. with short individual presentations. The second presentation topic will be by Demetrius, VK1SV, and is a five-minute talk on the history and activities of the 600-metre band and a LF, HF and QRSS computer system. VK2. Trash and Treasure at VK2WI. This Sunday, the 29th, is the Trash and Treasure event at the VK2WI dual site. New stock has arrived since the last TNT, which should interest you, and major items are always listed on the ARNSW website under Disposals. Commencing at 9am, it will be followed in the early afternoon by the Homebrew and Experimenters group meeting. But also in the morning, there will be the usual licence assessments, so those wishing to undertake an assessment should attend by 10am. Further information may be obtained on the ARSN phone, that's 02-9651-1490. I'll say again, ARNSW's telephone number 2 9651 1490. Chainsaw Day. No, not a massacre. This is a chainsaw day to be held at the Summerland Club Rooms Lismore June 4 to greatly reduce pesky trees from the yard and the solar radius. Workers are needed. Get along to the Skark Rooms. And Telstra.
the St George Amateur Radio Society will be holding their next meeting at the Telstra Museum. That'll happen Wednesday evening, June 1, at 12 Kitchener Parade, Bankstown. VK5 1912, the event, commemorative station VK5MGY. This item we broadcast last week about VK5MGY was picked up by the SARL in South Africa who noted, Interestingly, the detector of the receiver on the Kapathia, which took the emergency call from the Titanic, was located in the Telcom Museum when that museum was still in Pretoria, South Africa, and the SARL trust it's still being well looked after. You can check out the event by VK5MGY on the web address when you read wia.org.au and have a look at this week's text edition. VK7 and Northwest Tasmanian ATV group members are notified that the club's next general meeting is scheduled to be held Saturday the 4th of June, commencing 2pm at the home of Tony VK7AX, that's in Kaiwan Crescent, Alveston. Tony will demonstrate the configuration of his video streaming setup. And persons in the northwest area of VK7 interested in training and assessments for all classes of amateur radio licence are advised the NWTATV group can provide these requirements and much more. Contact details can be found on the club website or the WIA site under VK7 Clubs. And finally, home of the good guys and the Toowoomba Amateur Radio Club suffered a lightning strike to their repeater. Who came to the fore? But... Summerland Amateur Radio Club in VK2 who gave them some gear to help get back on the air. Well done, Sark. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. In WA, it can be heard on 146.7 MHz and also on 7.075 MHz, relayed via the Northern Corridor Radio Group Station, VK6ANC at 9am local time. And I'm James, VK6FJA. Radio in your inbox. VK1WIA. Now podcasting to the world. I'm Jason, VK2LAW, and ahead of international news, a look at education, youth and advancement of amateur radio. The Illawarra Amateur Radio Society in New South Wales currently has a construction competition running. Entry is available in two categories. The first is for IARS club members. The second category is for all other amateur radio operators within VK. Entry is easy. Simply build a crystal set. Judging will be based on some simple rules. The crystal set must work, i.e. receive a transmitted signal. The crystal set can receive either commercial, broadcast or amateur signals. No external power other than the received signal can be used. Additional points will be gained by utilising recycled parts or homemade components. Additional points will be gained for innovative design and unique concepts. The finished article does not need to be aesthetically pleasing. Testing will be carried out at Industry World Centre, Wollongong, New South Wales. A full set of rules are available on the Society's website, iars.org.au. The judging of the contest will be at the IARS November meeting. International news and church audio heard on 10 metres. Illegal broadcasts from at least one church have been heard on 28.265 MHz by hams in Germany, and as a result amateurs worldwide are being requested to listen around 28.265 in order to identify the station and its location. If you hear it, please send your report to the IARU Monitoring System Coordinator. 
News reports say JetBlue Terminal at JFK NYC is Radio Dead Zone. According to recent news reports, the $743 million JetBlue Airlines Terminal at JFK Airport in New York is a police radio dead zone, one that puts Port Authority police officers in a ground zero-like communications blackout zone that has already led to a number of police injuries. A permanent fix will cost an estimated $3 million and is many months away from completion. In the meantime, Port Authority police officers assigned to the terminal are reportedly given pre-programmed cell phones at the start of their shifts to call the JFK Police Command if an emergency crops up. Emerging technology, making green LEDs more efficient. Researchers at the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute has led to the development of a new method for manufacturing green-coloured light-emitting diodes with greatly enhanced output. The research team, led by physics professor Christian Wetzel, began by etching a nanoscale pattern at the interface between the LED's sapphire base and the layer of gallium nitride. The latter is what gives the LED its green color. This new technique results in green LEDs with significant enhancements in light extraction, internal efficiency, and light output. This discovery brings Wetzel and his team one step closer to the goal of developing a high-performance, low-cost green light-emitting diode. The results of the study were published recently in the journal Applied Physics Letters and are featured in the April 25th issue of the Virtual Journal of Nanoscale Science and Technology. The latter is published by the American Institute of Physics and the American Physical Society. Powering your handheld radio or other electronics with a device that converts movement into power could be on the horizon. This as a team of researchers in New Zealand say that they're trying to develop what they call wearable energy harvesters, capable of converting movement from humans or found in nature into battery power. According to Science Daily, the new technology is based on a class of variable capacitor generators known as dielectric elastomer generators, or DEGs. The scientific investigations currently underway say that these devices show great potential for wearable energy harvesting. In fact, researchers at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute's Biomimetics Lab believe DEGs may enable the creation of lightweight, form-fitting, and silent energy harvesters with excellent mechanical properties that match human muscle. The findings are described in the American Institute of Physics journal Applied Physics Letters. In what experts are attributing to both the current economic slide and the rise of alternative digital devices, ownership of television sets in the U.S. has dropped for the first time in 20 years. According to the A.C. Nielsen Rating Service, 96.7% of American households currently own TVs, down from 98.9%. That's a drop of 2.2% in the past two decades. According to news articles quoting Nielsen, there appears to be two reasons for the decline. The first is purely economic. Simply said, some low-income households no longer own TV sets, most likely because they can't afford new digital receivers and outdoor antennas. Likely, when their older non-digital sets using converter boxes fail and can no longer be repaired, they'll simply walk away from any form of in-home visual entertainment. The other is technological know-how among the current generation of younger viewers. There are pre-teens, teens, and young adults who are growing up with laptop computers rather than the traditional television remote control of their parents' era. And as they reach adulthood, they're simply opting not to buy TV sets. Instead, they're watching their television shows and other forms of entertainment streamed live over the Internet. Those stories from the Average Radio Newsline. You're tuned to the WIA National News Service across Australia. I'm Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1WIA. Operational News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ. Special events and on-air contest column, dateline 2011. Contest results. NASA has announced the winners of its original song contest after six weeks of public voting. 
You will recall here on VK1WIA National News, we told you how songs will awaken the STS-134 astronauts aboard Space Shuttle Endeavour during their ongoing mission. Sunrise No. 1 by George Ortero and the band Stormy Mondays from Spain earned first place. Shuttle Commander Mark Kelly, Pilot Greg H. Johnson, Mission Specialist Mike Fink, Drew Fustel, Greg Chamitoff and Roberto Vittori of the European Space Agency will hear the song at 5.56pm, EDT on March 31, the day before the crew returns to Earth. Sunrise No. 1 received 787,725 votes, or 49.8% of the total ballots. Dreams You Give by Brian Plunkett earned second place with 38.8%. It will wait the crew at 6.56pm on May 30. The public cast over 1.5 million votes. The IWLW are real hit in VK7. The event has grown each year with VK7, having 9 slotted in so far, compared with only 7 the entire previous year. VK7DB Sandy Cape, VK7EM Mercy Bluff, VK7HKN Eddystone Point, VK7NET Table Cape, VK7KT Bluff Hill, VK7VTX Low Head, VK7ZM Rocky Cape, VK7ZE Cape Wickham, who will join VK3 VTH Portable 7 Curry Light, both on King Island. Information about the International Lighthouse and Lightship Weekend to be held on the weekend of August the 20th and the 21st can be found at the website http colon forward slash forward slash iwlw.net forward slash. Now special event stations DX and Beacon and Net Advice and Jim Linton has good news pertaining to VK3 Echo Whiskey. On top of the DXCC again, the DX world became aware of the constitutional changes for the now former Netherlands Antilles. The AWOL DX desk had decided that four new DXCC entities would then start. In anticipation of the great event, a number of DXpeditions were announced. Like many around the world, David VK3EW had gained the necessary QSLs. He then noticed no one had yet filed them with the WIA Awards Manager. The WIA had long mirrored the AWOL program and rulings of its DXCC disc. David VK3EW subscribes to the WIA DXCC only. Finally, the process is completed, and once again he is proud to be at the top of the Australian DXCC list. He has the DXCC standing of 348-340, which includes eight delegated DXCC entities. Well done for the effort you made. I'm Jim Linton, VK3PC, and you're listening to VK1WIA. Thanks, Jim. Now the Intrepid DX Group and the DX Friends plan to activate Southern Sudan as a new country on or after July the 9th. At airtime, members of the two groups report that they are in consultation with representatives of the new Southern Sudan government, the International Telecommunications Union, and the International Amateur Radio Union, working on making arrangements. Last days for Monaco 3A. Monaco Telegraphy Group activates 3A2CWG during the month of May in celebration of its 20th anniversary.
QSL via 302LF. Awards. Awards News, Workdoll VK Shires Award. VK7 News says this award is held June the 11th at 6 hours UTC and ends June the 12th at 6 hours UTC. As a guideline, the following frequencies are recommended to work those rare ones. 80 meters, 3.580 SSB and 3.530 CW. 40 meters, 7.080 SSB and 7.030 CW. 20 meters, 14.180 SSB and 14.030 CW. 15 meters, 21.180 SSB and 21.030 CW. 10 meters, 28.380 SSB and 28.030 CW. Award for Women's Football World Cup. The Deutsche Amateur Radio Club is sponsoring an award to celebrate the 2011 Women's Football World Cup. Both licensed amateur radio operators and shortwave listeners can apply for this award. Between the 1st of June and the 31st of July, the special station DL0YLWM and YL district stations will be on the air. You need to log the appropriate number of German YL stations to apply for any one of the four awards. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix VK4FUQ in England. From the WIA News Hub in Melbourne and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. Now for a look at Amateur Radio Magazine. Featured on the front cover is the WIA National Field Day. Tune into the world, Amateur Radio gets people talking. The topic of the month, in at least some quarters, has been the perception around the WIA's move to set up a national-based emergency service response. WIA President Michael Owen explains in detail the WIA's approach to things. He gives an assurance that Wyson is not sought to be replaced, a point made previously. There's also the latest on the discussion with the ACMA about station inspection procedures and the WIA announcement of the 2010 Club Grant Scheme winners. In the June edition of Amateur Radio Magazine is a report on the Scouts Go Bush for John Moyle Field Day by Miles Burke, VK6 FMAB. In an item called Botch-Ups and Other Lessons Learnt, Peter Ellis, VK1PE, has a somewhat unusual look at it. Among the technical type articles are Building and Using a Touch KF from Grant McDulling, VK4JAZ, Multiband Antennas by Kevin Parsons, VK2JS, a device holder for SMD construction, Winston Nichols, VK7EM, and a look at RF earthing by Dale Hughes, VK1DSH. Amateur Radio Magazine is a WIA membership service posted to members 11 times a year and also available at selected news agents. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3PV, and you're listening to VK1WIA. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. This is Ian, VK7, India Romeo. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ARDF. A reminder that on September the 23rd to the 28th, it's the Region 3 ARDF Championships being held right here in Australia in Bendigo, VK3. Worldwide Special Interest Group's ATV. 
The Last Big Field Day is now a 41-minute video from Amateur Radio Video News that tells the story of a world-class field day station, W3 Alpha Oscar, that since 1999 has topped the ARRL's field day top 10 list, beating second place by a wide margin. In 2004, the operation listed itself as 50A. That's 50 transmitters, 10 towers and a myriad of antennas and something that intrigued filmmaker Gary Pierce, KN4AQ. So armed with his video production gear, Gary travelled to the W3AO site to capture the moment and tell the tale to the world. As Gary tells the story, it took a few years to find the time to get the last big field day into post-production and duplicated. Worldwide, special interest groups digital, Pactor 4 announced the Pactor 4 data mode unit with a top speed of 10,800 bits per second and a 2.4 kHz bandwidth has been announced. Details of the new Pactor 4 modem can be seen in Google English at the web address in this week's text edition, best read when you go to www.wia.org.au. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Final Frontier. NASA and ARIS reach out to educators. It has been discovered that many schools are not aware of the amateur radio on the International Space Station, that's the ARIS project, so information has been sent out to almost 20,000 educators. The Education Office at NASA's Johnson Space Center notified almost 20,000 U.S. educators about the amateur radio on the International Space Station project, according to ARRL ARIS Program Manager Rosalie White, K1STO. This kicks off the first of a number of new processes that the RSUS team will put into motion to get educators more involved in the program, which coordinates amateur radio contacts between the ISS and educational institutions around the world. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio, the ARRL to testify on interoperable public safety network, the Subcommittee of the Communications and Technology of the U.S. House of Representatives has invited the ARRL to testify at a hearing on creating interoperable public safety network. ARRL General Counsel Chris Imlay, W3KD, appeared before the Subcommittee on Wednesday. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert. VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Rewind. I'm Cole, VK4CC. 1962. John Glenn lifts off in Friendship 7 and becomes the first American to orbit Earth, circumnavigating the globe three times in almost five hours. In the darkness at Gladstone, 10-year-old Owen Benedict rallied his father to set up a spotlight, usually used for roo-spotting, to shine at the capsule as it passed overhead. Fifty years later... Owen Benedict is still watching the sky as owner of the Whopper Falls Observatory near Yandina. It's a backyard curiosity, a humble tourist attraction, a hub for local stargazers and the first port of call for media following up reports of unusual sightings in the sky. Over the years, he has invested heavily in his observatory equipment. Perhaps just as thrilling for visitors is being able to hold a piece of space in their own hands. Owen has a meteorite collection which includes bits of the Moon, Mars, Mercury, a piece of asteroid that fell in Argentina 
and a ring in. A piece of Trinitite from the Trinity nuclear bomb test in New Mexico in 1945 sealed in a lead glass case which he picked up at the Yandina markets. Then just two years ago, Owen heard the unedited conversation John Glenn had with NASA radio operators as he orbited the Earth in 1962. John Glenn remarked upon a bright light he could see in the vicinity of Rockhampton, Gladstone. Owen Benedict has heard in the crackly tapes his boyhood dream come true. His spotlight was seen by John Glenn. From VK1WIA, this is the National News Service. Tune in today, focus on tomorrow. Now to the social scene. Now, for those of you that, uh, well, what do we call you? The grey nomads that are driving around that had made the note that the far north and north Queensland amateur radio gathering happens at King Reef Resort, Caramine Beach. Well, have we got news for you? You can keep on driving past. Yes, unfortunately it's been cancelled due to the, uh, the resort still being rebuilt after the uh, cyclone at the beginning of the year. However, the same weekend, June 11 to 12 in VK2, going ahead is the Oxley Region Amateur Radio Club's annual field day. Then in July, July 16 in VK3, Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club Hamfest at Cranbourne Community Hall, 10am. July 16 in VK4, Maribor Electronics Radio Group's Wide Bay Hamfest at West Scout Hall, Adriani Street, Maribor. That happens early at 8.30am. And July 31, VK23, Riverina Field Day, 10am, Lavington Scout Group Hall. Now, submitting news items. If you'd like to submit news items for inclusion in the VK1WIA broadcasts, please email your item in text to nationalnews at wia.org.au. To submit audio, and we really do like the audio, read how to submit items in the weekly news page on wia.org.au. And remember, the sooner you submit material, the more the likelihood of it being broadcast in the very next edition of VK1 Ham Radio News. This is VK1 WIA. All points of contacts from today's news stories are to be found in print when you read the web editions, www.wia.org.au. Well, that's it. We're out of here. We'll catch you all again next week for another edition of the Ham Radio News brought to you from VK1WIA. I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.